Welcome to The Bandwidth. Here at the Band Arbitrage Network, we combine data and experience to help you understand the world of collectible finance. It's so good to have you here with us today. Today, I just have wit with me because our fearless leader, Wolf, is lost in the wind somewhere. He could be chasing down another deer in the northern reaches of Canada, but uh, we don't know. And we're going to hold forth with with the people we have. So welcome, Wit. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit tired because, you know, daylight savings, that's kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, daylight savings is great in the fall. It's terrible in the spring. I uh, really appreciated your comments yesterday about the Canadian entomologist. (laughs) I could not believe that he wanted more time to go chase bugs in yeah. new zealand yeah so yeah it was uh 1895 like quick little, little tidbit just so our viewers can check it out i mean and i did a little google search there might be more to it but long story short yeah yeah there was a guy in 1895 he needed more time to catch bugs so he proposed hey what if we uh move the time back two hours and you know during the fall and then two hours in the spring, and of course, it didn't bite until 1906 or 1908, one of the two. Yeah. And it was Canada that first picked it up. So, if you're struggling with, um, if you're struggling with daylight savings, blame the Canadians. My my struggle is not as real as it was about 15 years ago. 15 years ago, it was a real struggle. But that's that's when I had little kids in my house who didn't want to go to bed when it was time to go to bed. Yep, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. No. They they just didn't understand daylight savings. They were just going to play. They didn't understand why we were eating so early, because they weren't hungry. And an hour later, they were screaming that they didn't eat enough at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my children. I love it. Well, Wit, we are you are third in the series of our interview questions. And rather than just banter back and forth, why don't we hop into to some of these interview questions? What we're trying to do is just get an idea of, of who you are and your level of involvement in MTG Finance, as well as uh, what your future goals are and what you hope to accomplish through BAN or through other areas. So I, I figured we might as well just get started, if that's all right with you. Yeah, um, sounds great. So we make fun of you for your apartment uh, because there's enough room for a bed and your computer, but then the rest of it is cards. So what is your involvement <laughs> in MTG Finance? How how much are you involved? Well, uh, as you said, my apartment kind of doubles as a warehouse uh, for my cards, which... Thankfully, it's kept someone under control. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a complete full all, all out invasion, but um, yeah, like I have a walk in closet to my right that is filled with cards and a little bit of clothes, but mostly cards. I have a shelf of cards to my right. I have binders that covers every surface area. Uh, like half of my bedroom is basically all store. Mm. Yeah, so I would say that my involvement's quite quite a lot. Like I, I'm running, I have two TCG player stores. One is being, one is an SYP. The other one's you know regular direct. Um, I've been doing a lot of buying and selling at my LGS, which they we've made. I have an agreement with them that I'm allowed to. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I would say my involvement is quite strong. And of course, obviously, here in the Band Arbitrage Network, where we are talking about spec, you know, specs, we do auction nights and everything else. So one of the things that, that I want to iterate for you just a little bit is this is your full-time job, right? Absolutely. Uh, this was not always the case, but this has been since uh, October of 2019, I want to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2019. So, I had, yeah, this has been my full job for, full-time job for over two years. And then before that, when I was living out in California, I was a bartender and a server bartender and server and this was kind of my side gig that i just kept investing in and and pouring myself into Hmm. so you make your entire financial uh all, all of your financial needs are met through mtg finance right now yeah yeah and i mean i i can't say that i'm like living as I, you know, I'm definitely not one of the bigger fish here in band. Like there are some other people who have, they'll buy massive collections. They Mm -hmm. have connections with distributors. I'm not at that level. I would love to be, but Mm -hmm. right now I, I make enough where I can still pay myself a salary of around 2000 to $2,200 a month. So I, I also want to point out that you are in one of the less expensive areas to live in the United States. And so that's why you can pay yourself so little. Okay. That's also very true. <laughs> um, yeah. Like there's a huge difference between living here in the Midwest. Uh, Cause I live in, uh, I live in the quad cities in, which is between Iowa and Illinois. And it's yeah. Like my rent is, I want to say about $720 a month versus out in California. Yeah. All I had was a one, one bedroom, not a bedroom apartment, but one bedroom in a trailer with not a closet. And it was a lot smaller. And I paid like $750. And this was in San Jose. So, of course, you Ooh. know, a bottle of shampoo is like $10. It's, it, was, it was expensive. Oh, my goodness. I, it tells me that you are still young because you're talking about shampoo. And uh, us, us <laughs> older members of, of band struggle with our hair. So... Yeah, thankfully, uh, my family line does not have balding as a problem. So it's funny because for the longest time, I used to actually have my head shaved so that I didn't even use shampoo very much. It was just I have like that three in one where it's like shampoo, conditioner and body soap. Of course, you know, you could probably use it for eight different things as well. Um, <laughs> but that's all I that's all I had to use. But it is funny, though, because, yeah, I have a full head of hair that's like very thick, a lot of like very curly hair. Wow. I I don't know how we got here, but I'm I'm absolutely <laughs> loving it. So <laughs> I guess I you've kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh just to get back to MTG Finance. What <laughs> what are your goals uh short term and long term for MTG Finance? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so going from here to uh goals. Um I would so, like to keep a full head of hair by the time I sell my first mocks. I, I must say, I mean you have a fabulous beard, by the way, for the <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. I'm let's I'm not gonna I'm gonna chase as few amount of rabbits as humanly possible here. I, I don't think that's possible. I'm gonna try. That's the best I can do. <laughs> okay. So so I would say that uh, so for the short term, I would say for this year, one of my main goals and objectives is to 
be more focused with my SYP store versus my primary store. So right now for this year, I'm posting up a lot of my bulk, trying to get it sifted through, posted online, and just get it liquidated. Um, and then transferring a lot of my inventory over into my SYP store. So the reason I'm doing this is I want to have more mobility in what I'm doing. Right now, uh, as I said before, my it's an ongoing war of trying to keep my inventory under control quantity wise. Yeah. Um, and later this year, I'm hoping to be, to be married. And I, the last thing I want to do is to, to, um, <laughs> to have my wife have to worry about my future wife worrying about, Oh my gosh, you have like, you know, two, 300,000 cards all over the place. So, and I also, you know, she has family out in Pennsylvania and it, it's nice to be able to have, Instead of having all these cards everywhere, it's nice to just have everything more focused onto a laptop, for example. Mm -hmm. And this was something I got a chance to experience when I was traveling around Thanksgiving and Christmas. I got to use my SYP store. I had my laptop, and that was able to stay online. But at the same time, though, my main primary store had to be turned off because if I got any orders, I could not fulfill them. So that's the objective right now for the short term is to bring everything more to the SYP. But also um, with that, this is a short and a long term is to continue to grow my store, both my stores really, to the point where they can financially support not just me, but a family as well. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, up until this point, I can, I can do this solo. I can do this by myself. I can, with what I have right now, I mean, I, I know inflation is becoming a more of a problem. You're seeing gas prices go up, but my store... Yeah can still support me once I have, you know, I mean, once I'm married, I mean, we will both, we'll both be working but once we have kids, I would love to, I would love for us to be a single income family. And mm -hmm. the problem with TC, doing TCG player stores and everything is that it's an inconsistent amount of money because there are some seasons where the money is really good. You know, for example, if the reserve list starts going popping off all of a sudden, you know, my Yavi Maya, hollows my guys cradles my dual lands everything starts popping off and it's like oh great we're bringing in a lot a lot of money and then sometimes you have much drier seasons where you know it's it's just like oh am i gonna actually have a, re a reimbursement invoice to be filled today right those things are are very real things for a small can i even say small for a small professional yeah, uh I, so we'll, we'll say a medium level professional individual store. Those are very real goals and very real concerns. And I think it's absolutely amazing that you're, you're in a position to be able to do that. And I know it's taken a lot of work. I know that you've, you've been focused on it for a long time. Has this always been something that you've been doing? How, how long have you been involved with, with MTG finance? Um, so with MTG finance, I have been pretty much in it since, uh, since college during the return to Ravnica Innistrad era to mm -hmm. be more precise. Uh, cause I mean, that, that's when I opened my store. So that was like about eight years ago. Eight, um, yeah. Cause originally, so the, the, what inspired me to do this to start with is, I mean, I was playing magic, but I was also trying to survive at college. I saw my bank account slowly dwindling. And I was like, you know what? I need to go ahead and actually start making a little bit more money. And, you know, I was a bit nervous at first because I'm like, okay, I don't want this to lead into where 
I'm just, you know, some guy with a brick and mortar. I don't want this to end up with me being a in my 40s having a brick and mortar store and that's that's my life defined, which I have by no means do I have any disrespect to anybody that has that kind of life. Mm-hmm. Um it's just I had different ambitions. So right. I was like, okay, so going into this I'm like, all right, I'm just doing this as a side gig, nothing more. I'm going to focus, you know, I've I've got I've got a focus and a dream of wanting to be a pastor. That's what I'm going to go with. This is just a side gig. And that was it. So I started, you know, getting into this a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I kept this going all the way up into Cal- into California and let's just say right now <laughs> Um, this started as just a side gig, but in the end, this actually became my career and I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I didn't go into ministry like I thought I would. So it was just yeah. interesting how, how those plans panned out. Yeah. It's, there's a, there's a lot going on here that we've talked about in the past and, uh, you know, I, there is some some credence to it, but a lot of the things that have gone on in your life I, from the outside looking at it, it seems like you've always been able to, to fall on your feet and always been able to, to take what could have been a real big loss and turn it around into something really fun and really interesting. Um, so your level of involvement started back in return to Ravnica when you started, uh, selling back then. Uh, I'm I'm just trying to think through all the things that have gone on since then. And there's a whole breadth of things that have happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, man. I mean, and even before that, I had a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it, it's funny because a lot of people have said, you know, have encouraged me to like write a whole like autobiography of all the stuff that I've been through. Like, and I mean, I'm not definitely not trying to play like the victim of like, oh, poor old me. I've been through so much, you know, so much hell, but it's very much like, you know, cause I do, appre- I do, I do value the things that I've been through um, because, you know, I, I had to go through, you know, taking care of my mom before she passed away for eight and a half years. I had, and that was before I went to college. Uh, after go- after going to college, I went out to California and um things did not go well for me out there and that's why i'm back here in the midwest um and there's there's tons and tons of details which i mean this is this is not this is not exactly like while i know this is an interview for for me at the same time though this is also probably not the right platform to explain all of that but um yeah i would say that i've been always able to land on my feet and yeah, I I don't even know how what else to contribute to that. Um, but that's that's kind of the fun part. You've always been able to to find something that allows you to to do fun things, and and I absolutely love that. I love that you you found something that you enjoyed and you stuck with it. Yeah, honestly, I, I and that and I feel like that that itself is an absolute win because. While I've been through a lot of very difficult and tough situations, this has always been a uh, an industry that I've always been able to sink my teeth into. I've being obviously part of Ban and and knowing some of and some knowing some of you even before Ban. Yeah, I would say though that it, it has been great to have you guys along with for the ride as well. Yeah, 
I, I definitely appreciate the the friendship that we've had over the last uh, several years and the the ability to pick brains of people that have gone before and people that have gone after. And because we have people in all variety of levels within the MTG finance world, there's a lot of learning we can do from each other and a lot of teaching we can do as well. So I really appreciated that. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, being involved in MTG finance for so long and being the old man that you are, can you think <laughs> back over the years to things that, uh, that were your favorite wins? So I, I actually, um, I actually took some time to think about this one because obviously this question has been asked of you and this has also been asked of Wolf. So, and I was thinking about, I'm like, what is my favorite win? Cause I've had a lot of good, I've had a lot of good wins. Now I'm not saying like I'm amazing cause I've had a lot of bad losses too. Um, mm. I've had, I've had a lot of bad calls, but I think this is probably my favorite win of all, uh, it was successful, but it was incredibly risky, and it's t- it panned out. Um, so long, I think this was before I, I joined any of the discords, before I knew you guys. I tried something really crazy, and I went ahead and bought out every single – so I, I noticed that there was a certain card. I'm sure many of you know it. It's called Phyrexian Negator, and it has a judge promo. And I noticed at the time that this card only had – yeah, I mean, it was only like $3. It was super cheap, but it's reserveless. And I'm like, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right for this card to be as cheap as it is. So I had this grand idea. Honestly, it was a stupid idea, but I'm going to say it was a grand idea. And I spent $2,000 in buying out every single copy on the internet. Like every copy from TCG Player, every copy from eBay. Uh, I grabbed, I think, from Hallelujah. Uh, in Japan, and I grabbed everything in there. I didn't know how to access the European market at the time because I'm like, wait, how do I go into MCM? I don't know what to do. Of course, this was before, you know, ban time. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll let, leave that one alone. And luckily, somebody else picked up on the trend and they bought out all of the ones in Europe. And so I bought out all of these Forexing Negators and I posted one copy at $1,000. So. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I also bought it from ABU Games, Card Kingdom, all the other stores as well. Wow. And I sat on them for a while because they would not move, which I'm like, okay, that's fine. I expected this. And I think it was like, I want to say it was nine months that I, I kept this card under my control. Like I, every time there was a copy that was posted that was too cheap, I ate it up. So it, it was expensive. It, I think I, overall I spent like, no, it wasn't two, it was on $2,200. It was like, I only spent like $1,000. So, Finally, one day, Card Kingdom updates the buy list to <laughs> make it where the Forexian Negator was like, I think like $25 per copy or something. And I went ahead and sent them every single one of my copies. <laughs> so I, I did multiple buy list things. And of course, I think this, I might be partly the reason why they try to reject if you send cop multiple copies of the same buy list. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I ended up dr- dumping all of my Phyrexian negators onto them and basically made like did a triple up. So yeah, that would probably be my favorite win. Cause it was like, you know, I, I was kind of that evil, evil scalper that bought every copy off the internet and tried to make, you know, inflate the price. Um, yeah. So the reason I would say that is it was just a funny story. It was just, I thought it was, I thought it was quite hilarious. Just to, I, I think we have you to blame now for the view of, 
of MTG financers in the world. <laughs> I'm I'm picking I'm pointing directly at you. This is you know, if you had done it with with several more cards, then we you haven't done it with several more cards, have you? I tried one other I tried one other time and that was Oh with, my goodness. Well, and this was this was when I this was way back. Uh I tried and I I don't even know the reason why I did this. I honestly have no clue, but I did it with Corpse Dance, which was like at the time, like a four, like a three to five dollar card. I'm like, oh, I don't like again. I don't know what ran through my mind. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I guess it's reserve list, but I'm like, this card is super cheap. I'm just gonna buy a bunch of them, and unintentionally, all of a sudden, the price spiked to twenty dollars. Like I didn't do a mass buyout like I did with the Phyrexian Negator. It was just like, oh, let's buy out all of Card Kingdom, Star City Games, and uh, buy out all the TCG player. Let's just see what happens. And then all of a sudden, it's like now it's twenty dollar card. I'm like. Did I do that? So, yeah, this is not a normal practice for me. I also don't encourage it because um, while you can inflate the market, it also doesn't stick most of the time. So it's just too risky. I don't do it anymore. But yeah, you could say I was maybe one of the evil MTG financiers and, you know, at some point. That's fine. It, it'll work out. <laughs> I I love that win, though. The, a triple up on a four dollar card and it took you took you what nine months that, yeah <laughs> that, that takes some dedication for the long game i love it yeah i i, I got sick of the card after a while i'm like i'm never touching this card again <laughs> do you did you even play it at the time oh heck no i the card's terrible <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to be honest, I, I don't even know what the card does. So so it, it's a three mana, five, five. It's a black creature uh, and basically says that if it takes damage, you have to sacrifice that many permanents. Oh, my goodness. So it's terrible. Like the only reason was because it was reserve list and it was a judge foil. I'm like, this hmm. seems very cheap. Actually, I'm going to check real quick. What is the cost price of this card right now? Oh my goodness. I, I know like slight rabbit trail, but this is uh so <laughs> it's a 40. It's the low, cheapest copy on TCG player is 40 bucks. So it's looks like uh it still holds. So for anybody that holds the, any copies of that card, um, you're welcome. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Oh my gosh. It, wow. All right. Great. Awesome. Sounds like fun. <laughs> so, uh, thinking back now, I, I'd really like to know how you even got involved in magic, uh, because you've you've got such a rich history. Um, you've you've been involved in a number of different things in your life. So, where did magic start? So, I actually know exactly the point in which it started. I mean, not the date and time per se, but the moment. Uh, so, but leading up to it, I was, before getting into magic, I was very much into Pokemon. Um, I, you know, I loved Pokemon cards. I traded on the playground back in fifth grade. Um, uh, in fact, <laughs> the reason I got into any investing thing was actually because on the playground in fifth grade, I got, I got cheated in a trade because, uh, I traded my Alakazam for somebody's Arbok. And I was so bitter that I was like, I'm going to learn for a fifth grader. This is like, I don't even know how I came to right. this general conclusion, but I'm like, I'm going to learn how to trade so well. This never happens again. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. and you know, so and voila, it's led into finance. Um, but, uh, the, I think my original introduction to magics, it, it started when I was at my grandmother's house one day and 
She had a she has a wall full of knickknacks. I mean, all you know, kind of like your typical old, you know, your typical grandma. She's you know, yep. little teacups and everything else. And I'm like looking through just bored, and I come across a a Magic the Gathering card. It was a Rancor from Urza's Legacy, and I'm like, at Grandma's house? At Grandma's house? I'm like, what in the actual what? heck? Yeah, so I pull it out, and I'm like. I'm like, I'm like, Grand Grand, what is this? And she's like, oh, uh, one of the kids I babysat like left it behind. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I'm like, what is this? She's like, oh, it's a trading card. I'm like, okay, I know, I know, I know that much. Um, grandma, so, Grandma, giving you lessons, man. Yeah. She could throw some shade. Yeah, well, you know, she, she's taught me well. Um, <laughs> so she's like, yeah, you can have it. That's fine. And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a cool looking card. And of course, uh, you know, weeks later, I'm hanging out with some high, you know, some of my fellow high school f- nerds. And they're like, hey, we're starting to play this game called Match of the Gathering. You should totally join us. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. And I ended up building a, I think, I don't know exactly how it came into existence, but my very first deck was. Uh, Cause this was during seventh edition, like Mirrodin, you know, time period. And I built an affinity deck with Arkbound Ravagers. Like that was my introduction. That was like when I first got into magic and learned the game. So yeah. So it was all because of my grandmother and her babysitting I, that got me into magic. I love, I love your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Just awesome. <laughs> her sarcasm has no limits. <laughs> <laughs> so so you've you've definitely been around for a long time in the game what's your favorite part of the game Whew. so I, I it's kind of like a two-way tie so i mean obviously i love the financial part i love the aspect of trading so that would like that would be one of the biggest things i just love being able to like like even putting aside like the fact of like the monetary element the fact of like you know we're able to here at band, we're able to like, you know, pretty much practically predict the future of where the market's going to go and mm-hmm. see trends and stuff like, like that's exciting. That's amazing. I love doing that. Uh, but when it comes down to the game itself, I love the trading aspect of just being able to open up binders with other players and just trading, like trading, you know, sometimes even cards that I'm like, wait, this existed. I had no idea, but I would say beyond the trading aspect as well. I love, I'm a huge fan of commander and I just love playing commander with my friends with, I love playing commander with at my LGS. Um, I, I, I love building commander decks because just, there's just so many cards out there there. I mean, the game has been alive, alive and going for, you know, like what, 28 years at this point. And yeah. you, there's, and you don't really see, you know, no two decks are the same. So it's just cool to see what people come up with. It's just cool to play with other people. And, the diplomacy behind it. So I would say the community, um, the community, the commander and trading, I would say like, I know it's like, I can't really pick one. Cause all three, I feel like they, they are entwined within the culture itself. Yeah. That's a, it's a very real thing for our community is, is just being able to have friends and being able to have people that you enjoy playing the game with. And yeah. Then, then bringing up just unique and deep cards that you, you didn't expect before. I, that's one of the things I love and hate about magic as well. Like there's so much that I don't know that I want to, 
in so many interactions that I never even thought about. And yet commander players are all about those unique interactions and trying to get something to work for their deck. And I, it just, it puts me in awe of what people are doing uh, in the game. So. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Cause there's some, there's times in during a Wednesday night, a commander, you know, there'll be a, a table. that's like judge judge. And they, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an actual like judge judge, but I'm as close as our group has got me and me and yeah. another guy. And we're like going over, they're like, all right, how does this work? And we're like, it's like, I'm sorry, what are you trying to do? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what is this? You know? So we're literally having to look it up. Of course, trying to explain it, you know, trying to explain the stack, trying to explain, you know, you know, Carteratas and stuff. They're like, wait, but this is on this card. You could do this. It's like, it's like, but it says mana source. It's like, okay, well, that's an instant. <laughs> so he can play it on his on your turn. So yeah, it's just, it's yeah. So the game, the game itself has a lot, a lot of character, and you gotta love it. Yeah, and just the depth of it. Um. So speaking of of interesting things that are going on in people's lives and, and the deepness of everything that, that people are going on with. Uh, I I'd like to know what's the future goal. Um, I know that, that you'll be getting married in the next year. I know that you'll be spending a lot of time, uh, trying to support your family through this. You've got a steep up upward climb from here. What, uh, what's your next steps for MTG finance in the next year? Yeah, that's the uh <laughs> that's the question, isn't it? Um I would say the focus right now is stability. Because right now, I mean, I think going into a marriage um I believe it is I believe I firmly believe that we, you know as that is the man's responsibility in a marriage to bring stability. And that is something I want to bring financially for sure. Uh so right now um the focus, the direction I'm going with this is I'm, and, I, and I've touched, you know, I, as you said, I've touched on this before already. I'm going to have a heavier focus on the SYP because that means that when I go, we go out to see our family um, for also better flexibility. If, you know, if, once kids are involved and everything like that, um, I want to have a heavier focus on the SYP having with that, having that mobility uh, and also being able to access their, the TCG players bias as well. Uh, I want to have a stronger focus on also probably more expensive cards just so I can reduce how much quantity I have, but instead increase the quality. Cause I've heard from multiple, I've heard talking with people here in ban uh, and, you know, talking with other people who own TCG stores, there's a, there's a good strong amount of movement that happens between the five to $20 range for cards. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my focus of going of where I want to go from here on out is just trying to have more in that general vicinity. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm trying to go for. Um, yeah. Like right now I'm, I'm thinking long-term I'm, I'm trying to invest back into the store. I mean, it, it's just, that's the focus. That's the focus is just to build up the store to make it stronger. Uh, it's like a boat. I want it to be strong enough to carry the team to, to carry the team across whatever waters come our way. <laughs> I, I think it's great. I, I am absolutely excited for your next steps. Uh, I love that you've you've discovered the thing that I discovered right when I fell into to MTG Finance. Is that it, it? Expensive cards are are fun to move, but your bread and butter is the five to fifteen. 
Yep. Yep. And it, it took, it took me this long to, to come to that conclusion. Cause right now, like my inventory is almost everything but that right now, which I'm not saying I have nothing between the five to 15 range, but it's just a lot of it moves quickly. And yeah. I've got, I've got tons of expensive cards and I've got a lot more like super cheap cards. Like, you know, I've got, if you look on my TCG store, I've got tons of eight to 15, eight to 20 cent cards. And it's like, and I, I don't regret it, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, like I don't want this to be a common practice. I want this stuff to move so it can be poured into stuff that's going to be a lot more easy, easier mm-hmm. to get that cash flow going. Yeah. So I, I guess my next question really forces you to become more uh, contemplative. What advice would you give yourself a year ago? So I talked about this a little bit back during our uh, – our podcast around new year's mm-hmm. um there's two things i would tell myself from a year ago take time to rest and draw stronger boundaries so the reason i would go with those two and it is, it's interesting because usually when you to when you think about what goals would you get you know what would you tell yourself a year ago it's like oh you got to push harder you got to make yourself invest better you have to do this you have to do that i'm like no it's actually for me, at least personally, it's a little bit of the reverse where I need to make sure to take the time to rest because my body is still, I'm still human. Yeah. Um, I'm still human. I need, I, I need at least one good day to rest. And also having that rest also means, you know, also means like having the day end at a certain point as well. Right now, I would admit that uh, I have a hard time resting. This is always one area that I've struggled with. It's always mm-hmm. tough to be able to rest, to be able to put the cards down and walk away from the computer, walk away from the table, walk away from the the box of unsorted cards. Bec- and I have to, and I would definitely want to remind myself, hey, those cards will still be there the next day. You'll you'll know exactly what to do to, when you pick that up. And mm-hmm. that's where the boundaries also comes in as well, where let the cards have their own area and let that be have a, you know, have a strong boundary between what is your trading, what what is the store and what is, I don't want to call it real life. Cause this, you know, cause work, work is part of my life, right. but don't let that be what invades. Don't let that become an idol, if you will. Yeah. It's, it's really easy in the world of MTG finance, in the situation that you find yourself in being a sole single worker, buying and selling MTG cards to just allow it to become every aspect of, of your life. And I, I look over at the stack of cards I have yet to list and I think I need to get back after them, but realizing that I'm not, I'm not counting my my dollar bills based off of that. You know, I, I don't need to, to list cards in order to be able to, to live tomorrow. And so I, I think it can become a real drive for people that you do need to set healthy boundaries around. You know, you do have to set up for yourself a, a time to, to take a break. So I appreciate you, you recognizing that and giving us that, that real reminder. Yeah. Thank, I mean, I'm glad to do that. And especially since we live in a culture where, I mean, I'm not, and I mean, like not just MTG finance, but finance in general, there, there's a, there's a sexiness, if you will, of what it means to push yourself to the extremes, to, 
to, you know, to work up until five o'clock in the morning or wake up at five o'clock in the morning for the, for that hustle. It's easy to get swallowed up in that because it looks good. It looks great. You want the Lamborghini, you want the big house, you want, you want to be financially successful. You want the big Twitter and it's easy to get, to let that consume you because mm-hmm. like, but you also have to remember at the end of the day, um, as much as I love, as much as I love the game, as much as I love the financial side of cards, it's like at the end of the day, it is just cards. Yeah, <laughs> and cards are only worth what somebody will pay you for them. Exactly. Yeah. So, if you could give advice to somebody new to MTG Finance, what kind of advice would you give them today? So I wrote a couple down because I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I even like? Where, where would I even go with this? Um, and this is stuff that I was also telling anybody that invests in anywhere else as well. Because I think with MTG Finance, there is not, there's a lot of similarities between MTG Finance and any other kind of finance. That includes like investing, real estate, et cetera. So first off, I would, so number one, as you know, and especially if you're listening in, for those listening in, if you are brand new to investing, I mean, obviously here in Ban, we're all a bit more experienced than brand new. So um, so number one, I would only, I would encourage only invest as much as you're willing to lose. Never, ever bet the farm. Never, ever, you know, take out, don't take out massive mortgages that you can't pay back. Right. Um, because to a, to a somewhat degree, when you invest into MTG finance, and this goes to any other finance, you are, you're, you're, you're doing some, you're, you're taking a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, I mean, it's, and to some degree, it's also a level of, I wouldn't call it gambling, but it's something to that effect. You have, you have the ability to lose something, even if it's, even if it seems like a surefire win, like even the reserve list, you could still lose. Right. Um, so I would, I would, so that's my first encouragement is only invest as much as you're willing to lose. Um, number two, I would say is don't get too attached to your cards. Cause at the end of the day, it's just cardboard. I, mm-hmm. I have a buddy of mine who I love the guy. He's great. And he was actually my partner while I was out in California. We bought collections together. It was great. But there was one big difference between him and I is that he loved his cards a lot. He, and he would, he had like the, he had like two, seven, two, five row boxes full of cards that he just kept for himself. Now that's not a problem per se, but you have to understand that if you start, if you buy a collection, and you go ahead and take a mox diamond out for yourself. That means the liquidity of your finances has gone down by the amount worth of the mox diamond. Now, granted, sometimes it's not so bad to pull it aside because you're actually planning on holding it anyway for long-term investments. But you have to understand, the more you keep for yourself, the more you take away from your ability to function as a store, as an MTG financer, and so forth. Number three, I'll say, is also uh, think about the long-term gain. Think of, don't think short-term always. Think about, okay, like how, you know, the decisions that I'm making, how will this affect me in the long-term? And with that, I would say number four is be sure to budget well, especially when you're early on. Take on those disciplines, you know, write down your, you know, write down how much, you're, how much you spend and where it's being spent, and also keep track of where your victories are at as well. So you can know and monitor if you're actually doing a good job. It's easy to be like, wow, I just, I have like $20,000 worth of cards. This is awesome. I'm so great at MTG finance. But in reality, you spent like like $23,000 and it's like, no, you actually lost money. So budgeting well, knowing where your money is, that's, that's, that's a huge element. And then last, as I said in the previous question, 
be sure to draw boundaries and take time to rest because as much as and as much passion as you have, as excited as you are, and as invested as you are, you have to also remember you're still human. You can get sick, you can get tired, and also the if you the better amount of ways that you rest, the more efficient you will be when you are stepping up to work. All really good advice, Wit. Really good advice. Is there anything else that you would like to share right now? I think I, I think I'm actually, <laughs> I think I'm good. Cause I mean, like that was like, I was like, that's how I'm going to end this. Like, I mean, this, I'm like, this is the climax, you know? Um, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, uh, I guess the last thing I'd add is just, if you are hesitant in joining MTG finance, um, I mean, obviously for the record, like anybody that's not in band that's listening, in, I do encourage you to come into band. Um, and, and this is not like a, Hey, you know, be sure to like and subscribe and join in. And, you know, we want your money. So it's nothing of the sort, but, um, it is when you are part of a community that is as passionate as you are, it's, it's amazing. Um, we want, we want to help each other in here. And it, it's a great to be part of a community that is incredibly smart. I mean, for the record, like obviously, I mean, Father Ken, you're very smart. I'm, I, I think I'm not too bad myself. Um, but I would say that there is a lot of amazing minds here in band. A lot of people who with some great experiences. Um, and, and, I ha- and there's just so much to learn from them. It, like, I, th- I think, I forgot who said it. I want to, s- some famous person. Um, and, and they said, like, never be the smartest man in the, r- in the room. Because yeah. you want to be surrounded by people who are smarter than you. Because, um, and, and the reason for that is that gives you opportunity to grow. That gives you, and that gives you opportunity to learn. And also gives you the opportunity to succeed. And, you know, and if not ban, join another healthy MTG finance community. But I would definitely say, like, for those who are listening in and those who are not in ban, I encourage you to check, check us out. And if, you know, and if you don't like it, that's fine. You know, try another, try another healthy community, but definitely don't try doing this by yourself. Be willing to be humble and be willing to learn. I want to thank you for taking time to join us here at the Band Arbitrage Network. I really hope that you're learning something from our resources and that you have an opportunity to explore a little bit of the world of MTG Finance. Thanks for taking time, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.